You are listening to the weekend message of Crossroads Church North Campus. Crossroads exists to make much of Jesus, and we do this by following in the way of Jesus and making disciples who love God and love others. To find out more about Crossroads, go to crossroadslive.com. Thanks for listening. Grace and peace. Luke 8 in the ESV, starting in verse 1. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. And when a great crowd was gathered and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. As it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. You may be seated. How many of you have ever had to make a decision that was, that was not easy, that was hard, but you knew it was the right decision? Right. I often joke when I'm in the midst of a moment like that where I, I know I, it's not the, the one that I, I want to do, but I know it's the good and right decision. I will often say, future Andrew will thank you for this. Right. And, and it may sound funny to have conversations with yourself, but hopefully I'm not alone with that. But too often, I have to remind myself that the, the present pain or discomfort of this moment shouldn't be the loudest, but actually, I should be looking towards what will bring future sustained health. But too often, we sacrifice our future health for present pleasure, don't we? I mean, how many of you have ever gone to the doctor uh, and as they're talking around some of the suggestions that they have for you about your diet, how many of you are really surprised by what they say? 
when they're like, hey, you should, you should probably cut the sugar, uh, a little less salt, you should limit your caffeine intake, you should drink more water. Like how many of you, when they're saying that, is your mind blown, right? Like you're like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But then when we walk out of the office, we instantly have amnesia and we forget. And we're like, but those things aren't fun or easy or what I really want to do. In the same way, and I know there's some students in here, and so forgive me for bringing up school because it's summer, but at the beginning of the year, your teacher often outlines what it's going to take for you to do well in their class, and they, they draw that out pretty simply, actually. They're like, hey, there's going to be homework. You should do that. There's going to be class. You should come to that. I'm going to assign reading. That's going to be helpful for you to read those things. And you think, yeah, I'm going to do all those things until something better comes along. And you're like, well, my friend did the homework, so maybe I can use their homework, right? We often know the things we need to do, but we have a very hard time actually doing them. So when it comes to our spiritual health, what are some of the things that we know are helpful? And this isn't rhetorical. I'm very curious. What's helpful to your spiritual health? Just yell it out. Scripture, prayer, I think I heard murmured in there. What? Fellowship, Bible, praise. Worship? Anything else? That, that was really hard for me to hear because you both said it at the same time. Kevin, what did you say? Obedience. Ooh. Surrender. Man, those are like two tough ones. Patience. Thankful. Okay, so do we know what to do? Let's take that list and go. Have a great Sunday, right? But, but really, right? We know these things. We can speak to them, but somehow we get distracted in the midst of life. What prevents us from doing this? Well, hardship comes. Inconvenience comes. Sometimes it's just a person in your life that presses you in ways that makes you question, can you love anyone at all? Now, our aim is always to follow after Jesus. That's what we talk about all the time here, that we want to be with him. We want to do what he did. We want to live as he lived. But it's hard. We can know the right thing, but actually stepping forward in obedience, in surrender, living a life in prayer and worship to him at all times is hard. And so this morning, we come to a very familiar passage. So familiar, in fact, that some of you are going to have a hard time staying with me. But I believe that there's an opportunity in this passage. And let me tell you who the opportunity is for. It's for you, not the person next to you. Okay, not the person that you're thinking of. Sure, that may come later. But as we walk through the parable of the soils, and you're going to want to begin to be like, oh, I know someone who's hard soil, right? <laughs> I don't want you to jump there. I want you to pay attention. I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to begin to diagnose the soil of your own soul. Because what I hope we get to is to begin to establish health, to root ourselves in Jesus. So as familiar as this passage is, please stay with me because I think your future self will thank you. So let's look at beginning in verse 8, verse 1 of Luke 8. It says, Soon afterwards he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom, and the twelve were with him. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Husa, Herod's household manager, 
and Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. Now, it'd be really easy for us just to jump past this kind of transitional moment that Luke is bringing up to us. But there's some important things that I just want to point out quickly before we get to the parable of the sower. Luke has continued and consistently he has pointed out throughout the life and ministry of Jesus that the good news is for everyone. The good news is for everyone. And here, Luke is taking time to highlight the women who were disciples of Jesus. Now, that very statement would have been so radical in the first century, but we see Jesus all the time investing in the women who are around him, that they are following and they are studying at his feet. Jesus saw value to these women beyond what was seen in their time. And by calling them out, Luke is doing what Jesus does so often in his ministry. He's elevating the role and the position of of women. Still today, in certain circles of the church, there can be conversations where women feel so much less than and overlooked. And here we see, throughout the life of Jesus, he sees you. He values you. His kingdom is incomplete without your contribution. He wants you a part of it, and it's a valued contribution. And our church, this church here, this body, needs the full force of women and men living in their giftings, chasing after Jesus together. We need that. And we see in this little piece right here, this reminder of the importance of that. And so again, short section, three verses, but four very powerful things that that Luke is pointing out to us. First, Jesus has power over the demonic. Seven demons cast out of Mary Magdalene. That darkness could not overcome the light of Jesus. Jesus, again, has authority, and we're seeing it throughout this gospel. The second thing, Jesus reaches the outcast, the overlooked, and the opulent. See, if you were afflicted by demons in Jesus' day and age, and even in our day and age, you would be cast aside. You would be seen as other. You would be pushed into the fringes of society. And here Jesus has Mary Magdalene following him around. And who is she next to? Joanna, whose husband served in Herod's household, which means Joanna would have been a woman of influence and means. So you have the rich right next to the downcast. This is the beauty of the diversity of the kingdom, that we have rich, poor, young, old, all generations, all standings in society coming together under the banner of Jesus. And then we have Susanna. And what we know of Susanna is that her name is Susanna. That's, that's what we know. But again, Jesus elevates women. They were following him. They were disciples. And then Jesus' kingdom is generous. Now, you might be thinking, why are you saying Jesus' kingdom is generous? Because there's this generative effect to Jesus' presence. And what are these women doing that are coming around him? They are contributing to his ministry needs. They are giving from what they have out of their means so that Jesus' ministry can continue. There's this generosity and this reciprocity that comes within the kingdom of God. And we see this interplay here. And Luke is just trying to get us from point A to point B, but it's loaded with meaning. And so now we come to this scene where a great crowd is gathered around 
And in verse 4, we pick back up. When a great crowd was gathering and people from the town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. What we see Jesus doing is he's just pulling from the familiar. This was an agricultural society. They understood the process of throwing and growing seeds. And as Jesus tells the story of the sower, he ends the story with once again a call to hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. We've seen this theme throughout Luke's gospel that to hear isn't just to hear the syllables and the auditory sounds of those words, but no, to hear is to understand. To hear is to obey Jesus, to take his words and then put them into practice. So as this great crowd is pressing in around him, Jesus tells a story that's going to fit the cultural setting of his day, and he's talking around seed being sown on four different types of soil. And we see the challenges of those soil, and we also see the benefit of one of those soils. Uh, Real quickly, the four types of soil, the ones that are thrown along the path, they were trampled and eaten by the birds. The ones that were thrown on the rock, they were withered from lack of water. There was no moisture. Their roots couldn't get down deep enough, so they burst forth, and then they quickly faded away. Among the thorns, the seeds that went out, uh, they got intertwined, and there was competition uh, for growth, and they got choked out. And then finally, the good soil, which received uh, the seed and grew and yielded a hundredfold. This was a bountiful uh, crop that was coming from this seed. And for for our purposes, uh, we're going to talk around these four soils like this. There's the hard soil, the shallow soil, the divided soil, and the healthy soil. And as Jesus is telling this great crowd uh, this story, what becomes clear very fast is that his meaning was not completely understood by all those listening in. Verse 9, when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, Okay, so the disciples, those who've been following after Jesus, they come around him and they're like, okay, what's, what's the point of the story, right? They're asking what's going on here. He said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now again, in our own familiarity with this story, this parable, Uh, we can often uh, kind of look at the disciples like, it's so easy to understand. Like, why did you miss this? But but remember, we have the full story here and we have Jesus' explanation. So we're reading this with the explanation and then now we go back and we're like, oh, it's easy, I get it, totally. But they didn't, they they were missing it. And when Jesus was telling a, a parable, I think it's so important for us to remember, what is a parable? It's not just a good story. I love how Kenneth Bailey defines a parable. He says it like this. A parable is an extended metaphor, and as such, it's not a delivery system for an idea, but a house in which the reader listener is invited to take up residence. See, Jesus tells us these stories, and the reason his stories are so good is that we can see ourselves in them. 
is that we can understand quickly uh, what it would be like uh, what, when he's talking around that seed falling and we start to figure out, oh, the soil is us. Uh, which one am I? Later on in some of the other parables that he's going to continue to tell us, we're going to see like a mirror ourselves in those. And he's going to push us and he's going to prod us with the stories that he tells. And what does it mean to be a part of his kingdom? What does it mean to be fixed on who he is and trust in him? And so Jesus, telling his disciples, he looks at them and he says, to you, the secrets, the mysteries have been made known. But for others, he quotes here from Isaiah 6, 9, he says, seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now we hear that and we start to question, like, is Jesus being intentionally cryptic or what's going on with this? But we also have to pull back and recognize where we are at in this moment in Jesus' life. His ministry has been picking up steam. But we're also starting to discover that people are starting to take sides on this radical rabbi that is moving throughout the Galilee region. Are they hearing the words of Jesus as hope or as blasphemy? Are they allowing his word to take root or are they rejecting it? And so much like Isaiah's own ministry, Jesus understood that not all would follow him. Not all would embrace him. And some just could not hear him. And it's not because they didn't have ears or the ability to hear. It's because they just couldn't see past their own kingdoms, their own entrenched way of living. That they had no room for what Jesus was bringing to them. That they just, they just kind of pushed through it. Like, I don't think this really affects me. And so here he begins to explain this parable to his disciples. And the benefit we have is centuries later, we get to listen in and learn. What was the point of this parable? What was he getting after and what do we need to pay attention to? So verse 11, he's real clear. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. We're not talking about literal seeds. He's talking about the word of God, the, the good news going forth, the message of the kingdom. And here we see plainly that the, the word of God is represented by the seed. This is so vital to our understanding of what we're looking at this morning. The word of God is being cast like a seed on four types of soil. And they all receive the word of God differently. And for us, we would do well to pay attention to what kind of soil are we? Because the soil is, is humanity, it's us. How well are we receiving the word of God? As we go through this morning, as we talk around these things, my hope is that we begin to diagnose the soil of our soul. And then... Once we start to get a diagnosis, we can have a clear direction of where we need to turn our soil, where we need to amend our soil, where we need to weed the soil, and where we need to water the soil. How do we start to bring health back to the soil of our souls? So let's take each one of these seeds one at a time, beginning verse 12. The ones along the path are those who have heard and then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. What Jesus is describing here is the ones on the path, the, the hard soil, the crusted over soil, that when the seed falls on it, it just lays on the surface, it doesn't go in. 
It's prime pickings for the birds just to come and swoop them away. And what's Jesus telling us here? That those birds, that's, that's the enemy who is just waiting to take any thought of the kingdom away from you. Waiting to distract you from the ways of Jesus at any moment that he can. But what makes this soil hard? Have you ever been anywhere where someone's handing out leaflets? Or like, uh, you know, new restaurants opening up. And they're like, hey, we want you to come. They're just standing on the street and people are walking by, right? How many of you avoid those people like the plague? Right? I'm like a tractor beam. It's like Rachel knows if I make eye contact, I'm going in and I'm grabbing every flyer. I'm like, hey, how's it going? It seems like you're having a rough day. I'll take them all. Uh, but, but one of the things that I've noticed, and maybe you've noticed this too, is as you see those people handing out, if you walk two steps past them, usually you see those littered on the ground. Or if there's a trash can, maybe five steps past them, you see that it's filled with those because no one's really taking those going, this is going to change my life, or I was waiting for this all day. And for some of you, this is how you are moving through life. You have information overload. You're sitting in this seat right now like, don't tell me another thing because I can't take another thing. I'm just sitting in here because there's air conditioning. (laughs) But this is what happens when we begin to, to harden. We start to think that maybe we've got it all figured out. That we've got our way of doing things. We don't need a new system. We don't need a new savior. We just need to keep on doing what we are doing. So you you can begin to feel like you've heard it all before. And some of you in here, you've been following Jesus for a long time. You've heard a few sermons on this passage. The second we started reading it, you're like, I know where we're going. I can just check out, right? But there's a danger to that. Because God wants to speak. He wants to, to move. But when we become too hardened to hear from him, we are missing out on what he has for. How many of you have sat in a room like this or in this very room where you, you sensed that a, a song was sung and the, the lyric just caught your attention and, and it moved you or stirred something in you and you're like, I need to pay attention to that. Or a verse was read or a passage was, was quoted and you're like, oh, I, need to, I need to lean into that. And you know that you need to chase that down, but just as quickly as that thought comes, the other thought comes in competition reminding you that, oh, service is almost over. I'm hungry. Where are we going to eat today? Or I've got a few things that I need to do uh, this afternoon so I can get ahead on my week. And so you start working through your to-do list. And that very thing that God was stirring inside you, the enemy has come and snatched away before you ever have chance to allow it to take root. I think some of us find ourselves in a situation a little bit like Ryan was talking around last week. And just if you weren't here last week and you did not hear that message, I'd encourage you to go back, listen to that message. It will do your heart good. But he talked around this idea that some of us become kind of fair like I'm, I'm pretty good. I've got this all together. I've been after this for a long time. And so truth kind of it becomes hard to penetrate your heart. So where do you fall in this? How do you begin to diagnose a hard heart? Let me give you some questions to think about. The first is this. Are you unreceptive to the words of Jesus, to the truth of Scripture? Do you find yourself just kind of going through the motions? Like sometimes you get to the end of the day and you're like, I don't even know what that was about, but I did it. Check. You're no longer tuning in to what God has for you. You're no longer inviting the Spirit to, to lead you in those moments. Are you unmoved? Do you just find yourself just indifferent to everything? 
There's just kind of a spiritual malaise or a spiritual apathy of like, is there a point to any of this? Should I really care? Does it really matter? Have you grown stale in your walk with God? There was once a moment in your life where you were like on fire, voraciously reading the word and like, let's have a prayer meeting every day. And now you're like, "Ah, that's a little much. Have you become unteachable? This is a dangerous one where we think we've got it figured out and there's nothing new for us to discover or learn. You cannot exhaust the goodness of God. There's always something new to be learning and discovering. And finally, have you lost hope? Like this isn't doing anything. Maybe you never had hope. These are questions for you to think through just to, to see what's, what's stirring. And maybe you're like, nothing. There's nothing stirring. Then, then I would say that's probably an indication that there's a really good layer of crust on your soil. And if that is you, how do you begin to soften the soil of your soul? Well, you got you to gotta break through that top layer. You got to allow, once again, the word of God, uh, to, the seed to come in, in a place where it can bear fruit once again. And I don't know how many of you have ever done any kind of gardening. I, I, even for me to pretend like I've done gardening, I've, I've helped Rachel with a garden, but I'm not a gardener. But I've broken up hard soil before, and I can tell you I don't enjoy it. It takes a lot of effort and a lot of repetition to break up soil. And sometimes it also takes help. You need more hands on deck to get the job done. And so I'd encourage you, if you find yourself in a season of indifference, apathy, invite some people that you know and trust to walk with you and say, man, I, I, just, I need to break through whatever is hardening my heart because I have just lost my way. And if the soil of your soul has become too hard, then let me encourage you as well to go back to what you did at the start. What do I mean by this? When Jesus was speaking to the church in Ephesus, In the book of Revelation, he said, I have one thing against you. You've abandoned the love you had at first. They lost their way. So what does he tell them to do? Remember, therefore, where you have fallen. Repent. Call it out. Acknowledge it. Repent. And do the works you did at first. Go back to where you started. Go back to listening to to worship music throughout your week, to engaging the word expectantly each and every day, praying, spending time with God. Start small and, and, and work that up, but go back to where you first fan into flame your faith. I see this all the time in in relationships. When couples grow apart, one of the best things that they can do for their relationship is go back to the start. Start doing the things that they were doing for one another when they were trying to woo one another, when they're trying to impress each other. Go back there and begin again and and, and do the action of love, and you will find that the love follows. And so where you've become hardened, go back and remember where you were at first. Begin again. Remember the love of Jesus for you. Ask the Holy Spirit to fall afresh on you, to break through the crust that is forming over your heart and do what you did at first. Verse 13, he begins to describe the second soil. 
And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, they receive it with joy, but these have no root. They believe for a while, and in a time of testing, they fall away. Here we come to the shallow soil. These seeds start out with great excitement. They hear the words of life. They get all in, like, I'm following Jesus. I'm going to chase after him, and everything's great until it's not, right? That first moment, that first hiccup, that first hardship, it was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I signed up to follow Jesus. I thought everything was going to be up and to the right at this point. And some of us, you've been taught that. And I'm sorry if you've been taught that. Like, once you follow Jesus, everything works out. It's going to be great. It's like, no, Jesus tells us, in this world, you will have trouble. Like, it's coming. You're going to have to face that. But here's what you do have now. When you fix your eyes on Jesus, you have a sure and steadfast anchor for your soul. The whole entirety of the world can be swirling all around you, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But we forget that. And when we don't spend time with him, when we don't rest in him, we don't allow those roots to get down deep. And too many, when the adversity comes, we think it's failure and we jump ship. That's why I always love looking at trees. Because trees and their root systems, I think there's so much for us to learn from them. Because they actually, the, the, the stronger trees, they grow better in adversity. They grow stronger in deeper roots when they have wind that's pushing against them. Trees that have no uh, wind that blows against them, when the wind finally does come, they will topple over easily. But those that have, have been growing and been rooted in adversity, they can withstand because their roots have to go down deep. In the same way for us, when we fix our eyes on Jesus, when we rest in him even in the pain, We allow our roots to go down deep in him and we will find that we can withstand the adversity. So how do you diagnose a shallow soil? Well, here's some questions for this. Do you believe following Jesus means everything will go how you want? Because some of us are guilty of adding Jesus to our kingdom. We keep him as our our co-pilot. Like, I'm still driving, you're here, and, and you can cover, you know, fire insurance, right? Like, you'll keep us out of hell. But we don't actually allow him to drive our car. Do you believe following Jesus is easy? Now, I wrestled with this question, I'll be honest with you, because there's one answer, there's one part of me that's like, yes, following Jesus is so easy because he's so worth it. But does that mean my life is easy? No! No, because you're going to face adversity. You're going to face pushback. You're going to feel tension with people you love because they, they, they don't see Scripture as authoritative. And you're saying, that's my, my, that's, that's my plumb line. That's what I'm chasing after. So if you believe that following Jesus is supposed to be so easy, you're going to be disappointed fast. Do you believe time with Jesus and in the Word is important? Now, this is a question that we need to answer, and and some of you are like, jump straight to like, well, yes, obviously. Okay, great. How does that show up in your life? How are you prioritizing that? Because time is one of our greatest treasures, and how we prioritize our time says a lot about what we value. And so how are you prioritizing time with Jesus and in the Word? And if you're wondering why you feel like you have a shallow faith, it probably means you're not spending much time with Jesus. So let us read the word.
and do not be surprised by the fiery trials that come. But also, let's not be forgetful that we ascribe to a living hope in Jesus, an anchor of our soul. And so if you are feeling like, I, I don't know if I'm cut out for this faith thing, ask God to strengthen you, that you may be strong and courageous. And remember that courage is not simply the absence of fear, uh, but it's walking forward in the face of fear. And when we recognize that he will never leave us or forsake us, then when the winds of adversity come, we can pull from his strength. We can pull from the unbreaking, unwavering strength of God. But we've got to root ourselves in that. We've got to rest ourselves in that. The next soil, verse 14. And as for what fell among the thorns, there are those who hear, but as they go on in their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. And here we come to the divided soil. How many of you have ever weeded your backyard or your garden? Right, show of hands. Right. How many of you have ever paid for somebody else to do that? <laughs> A bigger show of hands, right? It's not fun. Weeding is like, it's, it's, it's not fun. Uh, and here's the thing with weeding, right? You can get all the weeds out of your garden and you don't get the satisfaction of being like, well, I'm done forever, right? Like you have to be vigilant. You have to like go back and you have to keep watching. And as the seasons change, you get to see other little sproutlings come up that you have to go and attack. And you know, if you try and do like the little quick, like, oh, and you just get the top, but you don't get the root, you're like, well, that one's coming back real fast, right? Because you got to dig down and you got to get those things out. And here Jesus is saying, the seeds, the word of God that falls among the thorns, that as it grows, they grow together and the life that should come from the word of God gets choked out by what? And how does he describe it? By the cares, the riches, and the pleasures of life. And what's the result of that? The fruit does not mature. It does not become what it was intended to become. The sweetness of that tomato does not come to fruition. This is what Jesus is telling us. And I think this is an area that all of us wrestle with at some point. Because our, our desire uh, for, for money, for security, for influence, for love... Again, these things, they're, they're not evil in and of themselves, but when we turn them into God things, they come into competition with our love of God. And instead of giving the Lord our, our full attention first, we find ourselves stunted in our faith because our eyes so easily turn to lesser things. And when we turn our attention to putting these distractions to death, like when we recognize like this part of me is killing me and I need to put it to death, the frustrating part is we, we try to do that in the Lord's strength and once we feel like, okay, I'm, I'm free of that, something else pops up in our life that wants to distract us and it's just like whack-a-mole, like all over the place and it's just life. So how do we diagnose a divided heart? How do we begin to call out these thorns that are growing in us? Again, just a few questions. If I just had blank, I would be happy. What, what are you holding out? Like if I just, if, if this happens, then everything would be great. If I just had blank, I would be secure. I would spend more time with God if. Right? Sometimes we justify like, well, I don't spend the time with God because I've got this and this and this and this and this. Okay, what are those things? And my biggest fear is 
Simple questions, but they start to show us what are some of the thorns in our lives. And some of these are realities that you live in. Some of these are real pressures that you have to face, but when they become outsized, when they become overgrown, when they demand your attention more than the Lord, it becomes really hard to feel secure in anything. And yet again, we have this anchor of our soul that we can hold fast to, that he's inviting us into life with him. Answering these questions, they don't solve the problem, they just help you name the problem to see what's in competition with your heart. In 1 John 2, 15, he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. John the Apostle, the beloved one, what he's speaking to here is that there is competition for your soul. And if you want that which is lasting, abide in the will of the Father. Don't get caught up in the ways of the world and the flesh. Because they're thorns that will choke you out. That will stunt the growth that is to come from the soil of your soul. So let us pay attention to what's dividing our heart. Verse 15, what's healthy soil look like? As for that in the good soil, there are those who, hearing the word, hold fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Again, we come back to this idea of of hearing, this theme that we see woven throughout. To hear is to obey. I hope that becomes annoying for you as we go through this, but it is so important that to hear is to obey, to put into practice the words of Jesus. It means we have understanding that we're going to walk in faith following after him. It's what he's inviting us into in his kingdom, to hear the good news of the kingdom, but also to live the good news of the kingdom. And so we are to hear is what he tells us, hearing the word, and then we hold fast to the word. We allow the word to be our guide in all of life. It becomes our level, our plumb line, our straight edge, all that we look to, our authority, and when we have question, we come to the security of this. Because there's so much adrift in our society. There are so many ascribing to their own version of truth. It can become so disorienting, all the different opinions and thoughts. But we have the word of God and we are called to hold fast to it, to hold steady to the word of God, to find balance in the word of God, to find equilibrium in in a solid and firm foundation to stand on. And when we do this, those who are hearing the word, holding fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. We are to bear fruit with long suffering. That word patience there. We're not always going to see the instant result. Our society loves the instant result. We love the quick fix. We love the emotional moment that's fleeting But what we need is the long obedience in the same direction, keeping our eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith. 
And when we spend time with him daily, there is a compounding effect of being in the word, trusting in the word, and allowing God's truth to shape us, that it begins to mold us. And we begin to find that our roots are digging down deeper, and that when the wind of adversity is blowing against us, we stand a little firmer, not in our strength, but in his, because we have a better understanding of who he is in our lives. So how do you diagnose a healthy heart? Well, Jesus says those who have good soil. What do you need to do? Well, ask yourself, do you hear the word of God? And again, to hear is to... It was really soft and light. And no one likes that word. To hear is to... Yeah, with a little authority. Okay, let's embrace it. Let's be excited. To hear the word, to obey the word, to put it into practice. Do you hold fast to the word? Meaning, are you, are you, you holding tight? Because right now, in the day and age we live, it's real easy to loosen our grip and conform. It's so dangerous. And, and it's so much less than what God has for you. So how do we hold fast to the word? Or do you hold fast and answer that honestly. And do, do you bear fruit with patience? Is there fruit from your life? Some of you right now, you might be thinking, you know, I, I have fruit, but I think it's a little bitter. Right? That's, that's a good indication that the soil of your soul is off, that something is, is not functioning well. See, the, the good soil results in what Jeremiah once proclaimed in Jeremiah 17. He says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, who trusts in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes for it leaves, its leaves remain green and it is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. I love this image of a tree that's bearing fruit in all seasons, that's green even in the scorching heat of the summer. I was amazed just driving here today how brown everything has become with just a few warm days. And for some of us, that's like how we live our life in these seasons where we just kind of go on a roller coaster. But what the Lord is offering is a steadiness. And it doesn't mean that you're bearing fruit all the time, but it will bear fruit in season, but your leaves can remain green, which means that you are not dry and parched in hard seasons, but you are full of the Lord's provision and his water that satisfies. This is the image that Jeremiah was putting before us, but the question is, how do we get there? How do we maintain a rhythm that, that allows us to, to rest in him Come what may. Well, we need to take a soil sample. We need to ask ourselves how we're really doing. And so, so I want to give us a couple of exercises this week. One's diagnostic. One is uh, to help you uh, to, to cultivate a healthy heart. So the first exercise Ask yourself uh, these questions, and there's, there's 10 of them, which can feel like overload, so you're going to want to probably just take a picture of this on the screen, uh, but did someone just whistle? <laughs> this is taken from Donald Whitney's book, uh, 10 Questions to Diagnose Your Spiritual Health. It's a great book, uh, and if you want to go deeper into these questions, I, I recommend it. 
But what I'm not saying is just rip through this list as fast as you can. What, what I hope you do is say, Lord, would you help me to pay attention to what I need to pay attention to right now? And so as you go through that list, maybe you get to, do I thirst for God? No, stop, stop right there. Just pay attention to that. Do I still grieve over my sin? Man, that's a tough one, right? Are you still grieving over your sin? Or have you become numb to it? Is your soil so hard that it doesn't even affect you anymore? So just work your way through these diagnosing and allow the Lord to speak and convict where he wants to. But, but again, this isn't to accomplish all of those and check the list. No, go slow. But how do we then begin to cultivate a healthy heart? How do we begin to practice things even when maybe we don't feel like practicing things? And so this is the, the second exercise. Read through Romans 12, 9 through 21. Take that passage. Pray for the Spirit's guidance uh, just to, to work through that. And, and here's what I mean by this. Can I just read you the first verse? Verse 9, let love be genuine. We could probably stop right there. Right? Is my love genuine? Is my love towards those around me genuine? Lord, I don't feel it is. I put a mask on every day of my life. I pretend with people all the time. Would you help me be sincere? Stop there and just say, Lord, would you help me to live that out this week, to practice that this week? Would you convict me of this this week? Pick one area you want to grow and focus on that. And then the beauty is this passage keeps going. There's lots of things. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Whew. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. And please hear, hear my, my intent on this. This isn't to like beat you down so that you're like, this, well, this is impossible. Thanks so much. No, it, what God is inviting us into is to be trees that bear fruit in season, out of season, that have leaves of green because we are tapped into him, abiding, remaining, and resting in him. But we have to practice that. We don't drift into that. We have to be intentional about that. And so the invitation is before each and every one of us to have life in him, flourishing in him. And so this is just simple practices to put ourselves in the groove of God's goodness and say, I want to live with him, front and center. So whether the, the soil of your soul has become dry and cracked or your roots just have not gone uh, to the depth you'd hoped or maybe weeds have overtaken your soil, it is not too late this is why Jesus says, he who has ears, let them hear. So hear the words of Jesus. Hear his invitation into life that is only possible in him. Hear the words of scripture. Hold fast to them. And once again, begin bearing fruit. Fruit for his kingdom. Fruit that is everlasting. And your future self will thank you. And pray with me. Father, We need you in all of life and all that we do. We need you. And Lord, it is so easy um, to walk through routines, to become numb to your way of life, to become numb to anything that resembles life. 
And so, Lord, I, I pray that your words of life would reawaken us and stir in us, that you would move again in us. Jesus, we, we need you. And some of us in this room, we've lost our way. We've looked to lesser things. We've allowed the cares of this world to crowd out our heart and push you out. But Lord, in this moment, we, we confess and we proclaim that you are life. So would your seed bear fruit in us? And would we be patient in that process, allowing you to do your work? Would we uh, allow your spirit to enliven us, to convict us and encourage us, to equip us, and to empower us? Jesus, we need you. And we love you. And we pray all of this in your name. Amen. Amen. So as, we, as we close this morning, we are reminded uh, that we have a living hope. That Jesus did not stay in the grave, but he rose again. And as Peter proclaims that in 1 Peter, he continues on by reminding us that since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. This is the good seed that is in you, that has been proclaimed over you and for you. So may you hear the word. May you hold fast to the word and may you allow it to bear fruit in your life through the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ. God bless you. Have an amazing 4th of July with friends and family and we look forward to worshiping with you again next week. God bless.